Welcome to the Mindstream. I'm Janet Doucette. And welcome to a discussion on the wisdom of powerful emotions. We all have the habit of repeating our behaviors over and over while desperately wishing we could change. We are all familiar with moods, feelings, and emotions. Some emotions take us by surprise, and others are so familiar we barely notice we're having them. Strong emotions have a sense of carrying us away and making us feel out of control. This could be as joyous as falling in love, or as devastating as the despair of losing a loved one. As human beings, we are capable of feeling a wide range of emotional reactions. We can take many of these emotions in stride, but there are some feelings that surge so powerfully we become overwhelmed. Just for a moment, remember, an event in the recent past in which you felt a strong emotion, What was happening? Who was involved? What did you feel? And most importantly, what action did you take based on what you felt? Many of us regret actions we took when we felt a powerful emotion. For example, anger and frustration may cause us to treat others cruelly or impatiently. Later, we may try to reconcile with those to whom we've reacted to so impulsively, or we may be immobilized when we are flooded with joyfulness. Trusting it so little, we act as though its cause never happened. Sometimes actions are inactions. The ability to manage strong emotions is an important skill to possess. But how can we do this when they seem to surge up from within us so unpredictably? The word emotion means to be moved by some action, event, or thought. These feelings that sweep through us actually occur in our physical bodies. They are not a manifestation of our thoughts, although thoughts can influence or trigger these feelings. Actually, emotions are the result of biochemicals that flow through our bodies. A little norepinephrine can help us focus our intentions, while too much can make us angry, even physically aggressive. A little serotonin or dopamine can result in the feeling of calm contentment, and a lot can make us feel joyful. Not enough, and we can feel despair. These chemicals are generally available in our bodies, and their flow depends on conditions, experiences, and our assessments of those experiences. We can create more norepinephrine in our bodies when we remain in in a predominant mood of hostility or distrust. We can create less of this biochemical when we practice daily meditation. But how are we to understand the powerful surges that accompany strong emotions? It may seem to us as though a tidal wave has carried us off and we have little ability to prevent our reactions. One thing is certain. The events of life seem to trigger us to moods and emotions with which we are very familiar, again and again. Emotions are forms of energy. Regardless of the biochemicals that shape their forms or the events that precede their expression, these waves of feeling are vibrational energy. This is a very important way to view physical sensations. Energy flows through a circuit. Your body is the circuit that gives ground to this energy. 
What happens when you experience a surge of energy depends on which biochemical the vibration rides. As you recognize the sensation, you tend to give it a name. Perhaps anxiety is what you happen to notice. Aren't most of us uncomfortable with that feeling? Increased heart rate, sweaty hands, rapid breathing, worry, fear, uncertainty are all associated with the mood of anxiety. What if you experienced that familiar sensation as energy the next time it happened? Not giving it any name other than a vibration flowing through you. If you practiced calling strong emotions energy when they happened, you might eventually become aware of this energy as your life force, your prana, chi or ki, or even spirit has risen dramatically and ridden a biochemical circuit throughout your body. You could not avoid noticing its intensity. When your life force rises and flows through your body, it really can't be assessed as a bad thing. If you're being physically threatened, it's a good reaction to have. You have the energy to defend yourself or flee your attacker. If someone says something that causes a powerful surge of energy in your body, you can be certain you're not indifferent to that person. What if the energy flow is caused by profound sadness or deep joy? The presence of the surge tells us we are deeply connected to that event or person for whom we feel these feelings. Regardless of the degree of comfort either of those emotions might have for us. Most of us judge our emotions. Sadness feels bad, we don't want it. Joy feels great, let's have more of it. The energy of our life force has no distinct qualitative measure. It can be mild, generous, or intense. Yet it is merely information. The skill of managing strong emotions includes identifying the surge as energy, then relinquishing the habit of naming it. If you call the feeling anxiety or tension, you can be sure you will feel more of it right away. The next part of the skill comes from the practice of meditation. In meditation, you learn to become an observer of your thoughts and feelings. This practice pays off when you're able to observe the intensity of the energy without participating with or amplifying its results. The next step is to transform that energy into whatever it needs to be. For example, one can learn to change anxiety, frustration, fear or sadness into action, deliberation, or compassion for oneself and others. Learn to view this energetic information as life force coming to bear on a situation. Your life force has risen in order to respond to whatever is happening. Notice it. Transforming energy is a powerful skill that takes a great deal of practice. The good news is this. Life is always giving you an opportunity to learn this skill. If you don't manage it today, you can try again tomorrow. Just remember, you might have labeled it frustration today, and tomorrow it may show up as happiness. That's when meditation can be most helpful. This moment now is always flowing into that moment right here. This moment is never flowing over there. How can we judge any moment for just as it happens, the next moment arrives. Anger, peace, annoyance, love, anxiety, sadness, these are all 
momentary experiences of energetic life force. It's up to us to transform that energy into direct beingness. If we give the energy any other name, we have stepped away from being present. We have escaped into judgment and automatic behavior. We have lost a moment of wisdom in which we could have extended our life force energy into other possibilities. We have increased our own suffering. We often discover ourselves caught up in emotional turmoil or strong reactions to things that happen during our day. It could be a co-worker's frustrated response to a simple request or a friend's sudden rejection after a disagreement. Whatever the event, the results are the same. We are caught up in a disturbance of thoughts, emotions, and sensations. We discover we simply don't know how to shut off the turbulence. Now what do we do? In the practice of meditation, we often experience discomfort and generally notice quite clearly our response to that discomfort. For example, suppose you've been feeling very successful about meditating. You have cultivated a sense of relaxation and perhaps even developed a greater degree of personal awareness. You may be, in fact, quite pleased with your meditation experiences. Then, one day, while practicing meditation, you find you can't seem to quiet those chattering thoughts. Immediately react. You might shift your body posture to relieve the annoyance. Try to return to following your breath and discover instead that the chattering thoughts have morphed into self-judgment. I'm really no good at this at all, you might say. Or, it's clear this meditation stuff doesn't really work for me. Whatever your response, it's quite strong. It's not going away, and even worse, it's happened many times before. When this happens in meditation, it's actually good news. It is an opportunity to explore how you get caught up in and how you try to relieve strong feelings. In meditation, you practice noticing the uneasiness and the discomfort that occurs after the disturbing event. Your focus then follows the discomforting reaction, not the event that caused it. In meditation, we are always being challenged by small discomforts, a passing thought, an itch, an aching shoulder or leg. In the case of the meditation itch, it's easy to see we can relieve our discomfort by scratching it. And our meditation instructors are always telling us, let the urge to scratch pass. Do not focus on the itch. In the method I am describing, we practice going beyond the itch to wherever our clear mind takes us. There's always something beyond the itch. We think we're being hooked by that disturbing event, but we are actually hooked by the way we relieve the uneasiness that follows the event. We want to make it go away. We don't want to feel uneasy or uncomfortable. By focusing on the discomfort and letting go of trying to make it go away, we go beyond it. By seeing it as it is, and seeing it for what it is, the momentum of the uneasy feeling is slowed down. We can see it more clearly if we allow it to surface rather than fighting so hard to relieve our discomfort. A person might begin to notice, for example, they get caught up in the feeling of anger when they are treated unfairly. This anger gains momentum every time they think about the event that caused this reaction. 
They begin to notice they don't even have to conjure up the memory of the event anymore because they are fantasizing about getting even with the person who humiliated them. The fantasy is very seductive. They imagine scenarios in which the tables are turned and the person who treated them unfairly is revealed to others to be somehow incompetent or foolish. This imaginative scene may even evoke feelings of satisfaction and relief. In meditation, we notice how we tend to relieve our suffering and then refrain from taking that action. Refraining from getting even means sitting with the feeling of anger long enough to see it clearly. Sitting with the uneasiness of that feeling even longer and seeing beyond anger and unfairness perhaps to a sensation of vulnerability, then sitting with the feeling of vulnerability. Sitting with the disturbance means allowing it to run its course and permitting it to diffuse itself by its own propagation. One technique in meditation is to use a focused phrase. In this case, a good phrase would be going beyond, well, you fill in the blank, where the blank is whatever you call the disturbance. In the case I just mentioned, a person might bring their wounded sense of being angry to their meditation practice, and just sitting with this uncomfortable feeling. It's quite possible that before long, the desire to get even will surface, and the person would practice refraining from fantasizing and return to the sensation of anger. They would bring all of their attention to the sensation of anger. And when they felt quite successful about dwelling in the sensation of anger, For example, they might become bored. They might say to themselves, going beyond anger. And just sitting with the idea of going beyond. Perhaps the feeling of being vulnerable then surfaces, and the person would then sit with that sensation for a while, bringing all of their attention to the sensation of feeling vulnerable. When they felt quite successful, feeling focused on being vulnerable, they would then say to themselves, going beyond vulnerability, then focusing their attention on going beyond. Perhaps the feeling of kindness might surface. Maybe they expected kindness from the person who mistreated them and received unfairness instead. The person would then sit with the feeling of kindness, They would bring all of their focused attention to the sensation of kindness. They might then extend that kindness to all of the people who were supportive to them and even extend kindness to themselves for feeling hurt. In a mirror, all reflections are reversed. What we see only appears to be a representation of reality. The mirror's reflection of unkindness is kindness. If a person experiences unkindness and allows themselves to flow into that experience fully, it can dissolve and then resolve into its mirror opposite. If we refrain from trying to make the situation into something that it is not, in order to relieve our discomfort, we become so hooked on the feeling of relief, we perpetuate the discomfort so we can relive over and over again our small relief. But if we allow ourselves to sit with the experience itself without trying to change it, the discomfort will reveal something quite exquisite. 
It will reveal a transformation into what is really happening. In the case of the person I just mentioned, their vulnerability was exposed by the expectation of kindness. Both kindness and unkindness exist in the world. We can choose to participate with either situation, depending on how we view our circumstances. When we allow an experience to dissipate itself, we are offered a clear lens through which we can see beyond our immediate discomfort. We can then envision many other possibilities. Practicing this kind of meditation allows us to return to our center point, a place of inner balance that creates stability when the events of life momentarily disturb our expectations. So be a courageous meditator. Sit with your discomfort. Sit with it, and then sit with it some more, and allow it to transform itself. By the way, don't expect it to always reveal something. Sometimes you just sit with discomfort and nothing happens. Experiencing nothing happening just means it went away all on its own. Center yourself and feel the reality of your life this moment. Thank you for joining me at the Mindstream. For more information, downloadable workshops, and stress reduction tools, visit www.mindstreaming.net.